Hear the word of God from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 15 through 21. This reading comes from the Common English Bible. You can find this reading on page 586 in the Pew Bible. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. The Lord says, Who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters? Who brings out a chariot and horse, army and battalion? They will lie down together and will not rise. They will be extinguished, extinguished like a wick. Don't remember the prior things. Don't ponder ancient history. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? I'm making a way in the desert, paths in the wilderness. The beasts of the field, the jackals and ostriches will honor me. Because I have put water in the desert and streams in the wilderness to give water to my people, my chosen ones, this people whom I formed for myself, who will recount my praise. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Jennifer. Will you bow your heads with me, please? O holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Help me to simply get out of the way so that regardless of the words that I say, that your message will come through loud and clear. For we are each looking for, we need your help to take our next faithful step in our journey with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. What were you thinking? That's what I imagine God is saying to the people of Israel through much of the Old Testament when I read it. For hundreds of years after they came to the promised land, they would be close to him and then they would wander and then they would come back and they would wander again. Over and over they turned away from him. In spite of God's faithfulness, they went looking after other gods. Through the prophets, God warned them repeatedly of the possible consequences of their unfaithfulness with some variation of Isaiah's words from chapter 7, verse 9. If you do not stand firm in faith, you shall not stand firm or stand at all. And then forewarned them of the day when, through their own actions, they would be taken into exile to Babylon, away from their homes, away from their temple, away from their work, away from everything that sustained them. Some of them thought, maybe even, away from their God. The Israelites had no idea when they would go back. And their days were characterized by uncertainty in the face of chaos. But then there came a time when the words that we heard in our scripture came true, that there were words of remembrance, reminding them of how God had indeed taken them out of slavery in Egypt. And in, in the verses, how the horses and chariots were overcome by the Red Sea through which the Israelites had walked on dry land. There were words of promise of what God was going to be doing, helping them return 
I imagine it was a lot like the relief of a long drink of ice-cold water on the hottest summer day. Now, we're not so unlike the people of Israel. We struggle with faithfulness, too, often turning away to follow after what's shiny or new, or perhaps to follow after what pleases us rather than what pleases God. Or sometimes it's even that we want prestige and power. The humility that Jesus calls us to seems not too attractive. Alternatively, we are just as likely to cling to something from the past, to history, rather than to follow God into something new or different. Right in the middle of the passage, God says, Don't remember the prior things. Don't ponder history. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? It's not so much an instruction not to remember, but rather not to cling to the prior things or history when it stops us from seeing the new thing that God is doing among us. For just as God did something new at creation, just as he did something new in bringing them out of Egypt, just as he had brought them to the new land, a promised land, just as he was going to do something new among the Israelites, just as he did something new among us in Jesus, this pattern of new, of God doing new things, has continued even to this day, into this place and our lives. You may know all about our amazing children's ministries or our engaging youth ministry, maybe about the diversity of small group options that we have or about our the breadth of our missional engagement. Yet few of us know about everything that happens at Hyde Park, particularly where God is making a way in the deserts or in the paths in the wilderness. Now you likely know Vicki Walker, the Minister of Mission and Outreach, and she works with our mission partners. You know that. We've learned that over the last several weeks. But you may not know that she guides the lay-driven ministry of Open Arms on Sunday mornings in the Harnish Activities Center, where we make relationship with almost 200 women and men who are experiencing homelessness and helping through food and clothing, through encouragement, and even an address to receive mail. And because of the relationships made there, Many of those friends of ours are now also part of worship and small groups. And you know Justin LaRosa, who's the pastor at the Portico campus, and he leads there in building relationships through conversation and connection, looking toward community change. The cafe, the Portico Cafe, employs people who are completing programs for getting back on their feet and gives them a living wage and gives them new job skills. It's what I'd like for you to listen to a video of Vicki and Justin talking a little bit about other new things that we see happening here at Hyde Park. So in your ministry area, has it been more essential to develop beliefs 
or to gain knowledge. You know, ironically, I feel like that my area of missions and outreach is the action component. So I think that what you believe is manifest by how you behave and how you live your life. And I think that it's possible to have knowledge, to have information, but not have transformation. And that's what we're about. So Larry, one of uh, our folks who participate in Open Arms uh, is an amazing artist and he's involved at uh, the Portico Tampa Museum of Art and University of Tampa art program where students in the Tampa Museum of Art and the Portico are working with people who are experiencing homelessness um, to do art and we hope to put it up in the, in the cafe and uh, Larry's amazing and he's, he's a great guy. Well and I came to the first couple of classes and it's art therapy. It's really amazing and the teachers and the students were really accepting and had some good guidelines and last week the class got a free, a free field trip to the art museum so it's really wonderful. People were excited about that. Pretty sweet. What is your favorite quotation related to your ministry area? Be still and know that I am God. Yes. So that's uh, Psalm 4610. Being still and knowing provides great comfort. And that connects into everything we do at the portico. We start yes. with silence. So last question for you is what makes a house, meaning the house of God, the church, a home? It's the love. It's really, it's the love between people. It's the love of God that guides us and directs us. It's the, so, and, and that love uh, manifests itself in being patient with one another and forgiving one another and working together to find solutions, but believing the best about each other, really trusting each other, and I think making God's love real is who we are in this church, and that I really feel like I see it so much in our mission now. That's beautiful. What God is doing through the ministries that both Vicki and Justin lead have actually even come together because we have five or six people from Open Arms who have qualified for the Portico Housing Initiative, which, once they have a job, helps provide them low-cost housing while they work and save to be able to come to independence. Through our relationships in Nicaragua and our mission, other mission trip locations, as well as our pastoral care, including the prayer shawls that we've blessed, God continues to do new things in the lives of the people and of the church. Now, while this is only a portion, it all happens as a result of people faithfully responding to the grace of God in their prayers, their presence, their gifts, their service, and their witness, where we stand firm in the faith together for the sake of others. It is like God is doing something new again every year, though, when the stewardship time comes around. For when it begins, we know when it begins and we know what the timing is of when it ends. But we are dependent on God for what happens within it. And so we don't know where it's going to land. We come into it trusting God and the work of the Holy Spirit in the people who come here. Now, I'm pretty sure that at least some of you have begun to wonder can I sneak out of the sanctuary before she says the M word? You know, money. I know all about it because I've been there too. I've only been a pastor for 11 years. And so I, I've sat in services where you've sat and where you've sat. And most of the time I couldn't escape because I was in the choir or the orchestra. 
But the question that I want to ask is, what is it, do you think, that makes us so out of sorts to hear about God's call for us to give our time, our talents, and, yes, our treasures? What is it about us that we'll give so eagerly to other charitable causes, to uh, our alma mater, for example, sometimes in very substantial sums, and yet we will not help when our ver- the God who made us asks us to give, well, we would rather just rather not hear it. We'd rather not be here to hear it. Although I went to church most of my childhood, I had no idea how important giving was to what God did among us. Even when my husband Greg and I joined a small church in Chicago, we gave something because the plate was passed around, not because we really understood why. It was years later when I went to my first finance committee meeting that I discovered that the only source of funds for the missions and ministries of any congregation is what the people of the congregation give. The congregation that we call Hyde Park United Methodist would not be here without the generosity of those who came before us who were willing to stand firm in the faith and give to God's work through the church. Standing firm in the faith means being faithful in all the ways that God calls us to be. But we often, most often, have the biggest trouble with giving. It matters to God that we give. God gave us everything we have and everything we are. All of it. I didn't know that. I didn't grow up with that. And neither did my husband. Learning that, though, was the tiny beginning of our own growing conviction that we needed to not only give to the church, but to tithe or give 10% to the church, even though we were barely making ends meet at that time. Now, I know there are many who will say that the 10% or the tithe is the Old Testament version of giving. Well, when I go into the New Testament and look, Jesus is much stricter with us Because if we look at the story of the rich young ruler, when he comes and asks how he can be perfect or more faithful, Jesus tells him to go and sell everything that he has and to give it to the poor, and he will have treasure in heaven and to go follow him. And when he sits watching people giving in the temple, and he sees the big bags of money that the very rich give, and he sees the two pennies that the widow gives, He affirms the widow in that she gave everything she had. I don't think that it means that Jesus wants us to give away everything, but maybe that we would be willing to if we had to. But more so, that when we give out of an abundance where we don't even notice that it's gone, have we really made a commitment to Jesus at all? Still, we committed to a certain amount to be able to grow to a tithe. We made a promise to ourselves and God that we would get there eventually as our salaries increased every year or we paid off bills or things like that. We were so serious about it that we started it with the kids, too, teaching them to give 10% of their allowance to the, the church when they were very young 
It started with our oldest when she was two years old. I took a dollar a week in dimes and laid out the ten, the ten dimes and showed her that I was taking one, that she got to keep all, all the rest of it and put it in the envelope and set aside the rest for when she was ready to spend it on a piece of gum or something like that. They didn't understand then. It took a while for them to begin to understand, but when they did, our kids even came to the place of setting aside extra to be able to help out those who were hungry because it mattered that much to them. It was a tool for us to teach them the financial generosity that Greg and I didn't learn when we were growing up. We were hoping it would make it easier for them when they got older. And that's why we work so hard here at Hyde Park in membership class and children's ministries, in youth ministry and small groups, to teach everyone to live a faithful life that we call the Disciples' Path, from the book of the same name by Jim Harnish and Justin LaRosa. We want to lead every Christian to stand firm in the faith, in all the aspects of the faith, from our corporate practices together of worship and small group engagement and gifts-based service, to our personal growth practices of generosity and scripture reflection and evangelism and, and also prayer. Being a good steward or manager of what God has given us individually and collectively is not about budgets and money. It's about taking our faith seriously. My personal experience and as a pastor, when you and I can give God the lead in our finances, then we can give him the lead in all the rest of our life. That's when we're able to give God all of ourselves, holding nothing back. I pray you will join Greg and me in making a pledge for 2018. There are pledge cards in front of you in the pew racks. And I, these pledges... I know sometimes people don't like the idea of a pledge, but it's simply an estimate of what you plan to give to the work of God in the coming year. If circumstances change, you can change the pledge. They are a guide to help our finance team make a responsible budget for the coming year. Every pledge matters, no matter the size, because it's not one pledge versus another. It's what all of us do together that works together for God's purposes. If you have not already made your pledge, take a pledge card with you today, even if you've never made a pledge before. The cards right there in the pew rack are easy to take home. I'd ask that in prayer you ask God how he would have you stand firm in your faith financially in the coming year. Then follow where God leads. I want to tell you the end of our story. It was truly a wondrous way that our promise to tithe was fulfilled. When we were giving about 3% of our income to God, our pastor sent everyone in the church a, a challenge letter for Lent based on Malachi 3.10, where God tells the Jews to bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. This is the only verse in the Bible 
where God tells us to test him in something. Every place else he told us, tells us don't do that. This is the only verse. Well, we had just refinanced our house and we didn't have a mortgage payment for the next six weeks. So we thought, okay, we can do this. We'll, we'll take the challenge. And we did for the whole next six weeks. And then the mortgage payment started again. And somehow we still continued to tithe. I paid the bills. I was a banker then. I knew how to balance my checkbook and set a budget. There was no way that we should have been able to do it. But we did. Something that God changed in our lives helped us to do it. God relies on the faithfulness of his people so they can recognize the new things that God does among them. What new thing do you notice God doing here at Hyde Park? Tell someone. Talk about it. What about the new thing in your life or the lives of those that you love, those that you're friends with? Talk about that too. Every time we notice where God is working and recognize it, we are noticing how God has been faithful to us, how he has been faithful throughout all time, and will be faithful into all eternity. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Almighty God, we are so grateful that you love us so much. That like the Israelites, when we turn away and come back and turn away and come back, that you are faithful to continue to show us the way. That you have given us everything that we have and everything that we are. That you are with us always. And so we pray, Lord, that you help us see the ways that we can stand firm in our faith. Not just with our finances, with our lives. So that we may be faithful to you and be able to see all the new that you are doing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.